Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I'm here with my friend, my co-host. We're kind of matching today. It's Meredith Brock. <laughs> yes, it is black shirt and uh, acid-watched jeans day. There you go. It's true. <laughs> um, well, today, you guys, you are in for a really special treat. We've got the one and only Lisa Turkhurst on the podcast, and today she is going to be talking to those of you who... Maybe you feel like God is far away mm-hmm. and you wonder if he has any clue what it feels like to be you. This message is jam-packed, mm-hmm. full of honest, practical, good advice in that season. She'll be teaching from the book of Hebrews, and we're excited to let you know that it's the next book that we are going to be studying in mm-hmm. our first five mobile app. The study is titled, When I Don't Know What to Believe, Why Jesus is the Answer, and we are going to dive into that today. Yeah. Now, whether this is your first time diving into the book of Hebrews or you know Hebrews like the back of your hand, we want you guys to join in on this study because we have something in store for you. Yeah, absolutely. And here is how you can join us. If you don't have the free First 5 mobile app, you can download it to your device now. And the app is really cool because each day you get access to a new teaching that unpacks your scripture reading for the day. And so it kind of, you know, you read your scripture and then you read a teaching that helps you apply that to your life. And then you get a question to reflect on. And so it's just like little by little, more and more, applying what God is teaching you to your life. And then if you want to take your study even deeper, we have these great things called study guides that our team develops um, for First Five. And it helps you unpack what you're learning even further. And I love using these things because I write notes in them each Mm -hmm. day. And there's like four to six questions for every day. But I love it because whenever I'm finished with the study, I can put the study guide on my bookshelf. But if I ever want to go back to it, it's all there. Yeah. And everything that God taught me is in that book. And I love them. Um, they are so helpful. And you can get your study guide at p31bookstore.com. That's p31bookstore.com. All right, friends, we don't want to take any more time away from our conversation with Lisa. So here it is. We are excited to have our president, Lisa Turkhurst, with us on the show today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank We're so you glad you're here. so much. It's yes. a joy and an honor to be with the two of you who have become quite known through this podcast. Oh, right. Oh, I oh, mean, Lisa. it's amazing. <laughs> it really is. And people are like, it's nice to meet you, Lisa, but can I possibly meet Meredith and Kaylee who do the podcast? Uh-huh. It happens all the time. I mean, I get stopped in the grocery store. People, <laughs> oh this is not true. I had to go <laughs> It is true. Thank, thank goodness for masks. I'm just kidding. Anyways, um, Lisa, well, we're going to get into your teaching pretty soon. But before we do that, this is the time of year, every year that we launch our She Speaks conference registration. And I think it would be really cool for our listeners to get to hear from you who founded She Speaks, why She Speaks is so special and why, if they are an aspiring writer, speaker, leader, or communicator, why they should consider coming this year. Let me give you three reasons that I am so passionate about She Speaks. One, this is the conference I wanted but never could find when Mm -hmm. I was getting started. Mm -hmm. And the main reason is because I wanted to find people who were doing what I wanted to do who could help give me some guidance Mm -hmm. so that I didn't waste time, waste money, waste energy on things that didn't matter. I wanted to find out how do I really do this and do it well. Number two, I would also say that She Speaks is going to give you a vision beyond what you have the seed of. Mm. In other words, I don't worry about your thinking being too big about your calling. I worry about your thinking being too small about Mm -hmm. your calling. 
And I think She Speaks is going to expand the vision of possibility for you and really water and grow the seed beyond just, oh, this is some little side hobby that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And number three, I think you're going to get, I don't think, I know you're going to get teaching that is both inspirational and practical so that you can start applying what you learn right now and it will make you a more effective communicator. And whether or not you ever become a speaker and an author, I think communication is so important. I wish every human could come to She Speaks. Wow. Wow. I love that. Well, She Mm -hmm. Speaks is fully online this year. So you know what that means? You can join us from anywhere you might be. So we would love to have you join us. The conference is June 24th through the 26th. 2021, and you can register today at shespeaksconference.com. All right, Lisa, are you ready to give your teaching? I am. (laughs) Let's do it, friend. Okay. Uh, If you have your Bible, if you'll open it up to Hebrews. Now, let me make a little confession here about Hebrews. Are you guys ready for a confession? I love it when you confess. Yes. Well, not only did I have a hard time finding Hebrews in the Bible, when I first started studying the Bible over 20 years ago, for some reason, I was very convinced Hebrews was in the Old Testament because it sounds Old Testament-ish. It sounds very old. It's not like Mark, Luke, or John. Right? Like I have friends named Mark, Luke, and John. Yes. But you probably don't have a friend named Hebrews. Negative. Right? No friends named Hebrews. And so I was a little confused as to where it was in the Bible, but I have a trick, really two tricks to help you find right. it. First of all, there's no shame in turning to the table of contents. Never. That's number one. Retweet. Mm -hmm. But number two is if you go to Revelation, which is the very end of the Bible, and you just make a very few left-hand turns, you're going to pass through like Revelation to 1 John, and then just keep going a little bit. You're going to get into some Peter stuff, some James stuff, but then you're eventually going to land on Hebrews. And so start at the back of the Bible and start flipping the pages. Great pointer. And you will find Hebrews. You just simplified my life. I know, because sometimes it's hard to find. It is hard to find. (laughs) Okay, so now that we found Hebrews, I want to go to Hebrews chapter 2, and I want to read some verses that are probably not the most popular verses from Hebrews, but for me, they are some of the most meaningful and most helpful So, if you've been going through a hard time lately, today's teaching is just for you. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. And let me tell you why I love these verses so much. Because sometimes I think when we are going through a challenging time, and the last I checked, pretty much every human has some challenge currently that they're facing. I would imagine I could turn the microphone on to anybody in the studio today and just say, Name a challenging situation that you're facing right now. Most of us would have at least one answer. Many of us would have many answers. Mm -hmm. I have many answers right now. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of challenges in my life. And sometimes I can start to get this perception that because I'm going through a really hard time, 
that God is somehow far removed and distant. And even if I think he is there with me, I usually don't think, wow, the Lord really understands what it feels like to be me. And and I just can lose perspective that the intensity of human emotion and the intensity of human sorrow is really understood by God. Therefore, if I feel like God can't understand it, then I start to doubt he's actually going to have compassion on me to get me through it and on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that resonates with you Mm -hmm. at all, but something that helps me so much is to remember that when God sent his one and only son, Jesus, he was sent, yes, to be the savior of the world. He was sent to forgive us of our sins. Absolutely. He was sent for the power of redemption, 100%. But it should never be lost on us that he was also sent to share in our humanity and to feel the depth of the human reality, the grit, the grime, the gruesome heartbreak, the rejection, the brutality, the judgment of other people, all of that. But also, Jesus shared in our humanity to the point where he had a marked moment with God where he said, God, I don't want this to be the plan. Mm. Change the plan. And there's really nothing that Jesus has ever said that I relate to more than this moment that I find Jesus in right before he went to the cross. So let me read Hebrews chapter two, verse 14 again, and then I'm gonna take you over to Mark chapter 14. Since the children have flesh and blood. So who has flesh and blood? That's me, that's you, Mm -hmm. that's every human, Mm -hmm. right? Since we have flesh and blood, He, meaning Jesus, he too shared in their humanity. Wow, he shared in what it feels like to be human. He was perfect divinity. He had no sin, but absolute humanity. He felt the weight of human emotion and human heartbreak. He felt that. So he shared in humanity so that, so why did he share in our humanity? So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Okay, so that's one reason he shared in our humanity. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. But he also shared in our humanity so that he might make an atonement for our sins. So if we keep going down, Um, Just a little bit further from where we read, let's go to verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 2. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of this people. So he shared in our humanity, not just to break the power of death by conquering death, and not just to make an atonement for our sins, but so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. In other words, we can trust the advice that Jesus gives us a hundred percent, not only because he is the savior of the world, but also because we know he felt the depth of what it feels like to be so very human. 
And yes, he was without sin, but he was not without heartbreak. He was not without complicated human relationships. He was not without the feeling the weight of being so misunderstood Mm -hmm. and being so hurt. And he was laying down his very life for people that in the end spit upon him, rejected him, mocked him, beat him mercilessly, and made fun of him, stripped him of every bit of human dignity. And his words from the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so I am so hyper aware that Jesus really is a faithful and merciful high priest because he really does understand what it feels like to be so very human. Now let's go over to Mark chapter 14. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane, which if you know me at all, you know that there are a couple of places in the Bible that I'm absolutely obsessed with. (laughs) If you can have an obsession, I guess this is a good one. I love Genesis, but I also love the moment where we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark chapter 14 is one place in the Bible where this is recorded, starting in verse 32. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. So, again, hitting the pause button, when I feel deeply distressed and troubled, I want to turn to these passages, and I want to remember it using Hebrews chapter 2 and those verses that we just read. I want to remember it in this frame, that this is one of those moments where Jesus felt the weight of humanity in deep distress and deep trouble, and this is part of why I know He is a merciful, and He's a faithful, but He's merciful. He's a merciful high priest. And so I want to see what does he do? What does Jesus do? I mean, if he's my high priest, he's leading me. Mm. And he's leading me with mercy and he's leading me in a faithful way. So when he's deeply distressed and troubled, what does he say? What does he do? It goes on to say in the next verse, verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So think about how how would we phrase this today? I'm going to throw out one example, and then I want to see, Kaylee and Meredith, do you have any examples of like when your life is just coming apart at the seams, how do you phrase it? So Jesus said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I, I might say, I feel like this is going to kill me. So what's something, what's a phrase that you might say, either one of you, when... It's just too much. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. Or what about, I can't, I can't do this yeah. one I more day. I can't handle this. I can't handle this. Mm-hmm. Kaylee, do yeah. you have anything? I, I, I say I can't ever stop thinking about this. Like, yeah. I will never get past this mm-hmm. thing that I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. And it feels like the struggle in front of us has suddenly defined our entire existence and is, it's always going to feel this way. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be this hard. It's always going to be. Mm-hmm. So Jesus saying, my soul, it's not just I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I mean, this is this intense. is intense emotion. This isn't just like, 
oh, no, I missed a meeting and I'm feeling guilty about it. This is the dark night of the soul. I mean, this is, this is that deep distress, deep, deep down. So he says this to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And he said to them, stay here and keep watch. And I've always thought, I wonder if there's a double meaning to this, stay here and keep watch. I think the most obvious observation might be Jesus saying, stay here and keep watch because he knew that the detachment of soldiers were coming to arrest him and he didn't want the disciples to get caught off guard. Obviously, Jesus is Jesus, so he knew when they were coming. He wasn't going to get caught off guard, but maybe he didn't want the disciples to get caught off guard. But I wonder if there's a double meaning. Maybe he was also saying to them, stay here and keep watch. Watch what I do because you're going to need this. And then the scriptures say, going a little farther, he didn't go up on a mountainside. He didn't go out to the sea, walking on water, you know. He just went a little farther, which means they could see him if they were looking. Going a little farther, um, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. And... I so relate to these words of Jesus, wrestling with this thought, God, everything is possible for you. So why aren't you fixing this for me right now? Why aren't you fixing this for my child right now? Why aren't you fixing this for my family right now? Why does this have to be the plan? I don't want this to be the plan. Let let there be a different plan. I mean, God, everything's possible for you. And isn't that part of what's so complicated in our relationship with God, that part of what makes our faith so strong is we're utterly convinced that God is capable of everything. But isn't it true that part of what can make our faith feel like it's falling apart is that we're so hyper aware that God is capable of everything. Mm -hmm. And we're so aware that God is capable of everything and we perceive He's not doing the one thing that we've begged him to do that makes so much sense in our mind. It can really make us panicked mm-hmm. and start to feel like, God, where are you? This makes no sense at all. And yet Jesus doesn't put a, a exclamation point there and then walk into the next part of his existence with gritted teeth and clenched fist and heels dug into the dirt, resisting God and mad at God and questioning God. No, he doesn't do that. He utters these next words that I feel like are some of the most powerful words in all of Scripture. And I'm really good at the first part of this verse, telling God everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Change my circumstances. Make this different. But I forget these last words words, yet not what I will, but what you will. In other words, yet God, (laughs) I don't like this and I don't want this. And this isn't the way that I would write the story. And yet I am declaring that you know better, even when it doesn't feel better to me right now. Mm. And I'm exchanging my will for thy will, because I'm so confident 
you will do what a good God should do in the circumstance. And these words that Jesus ended this very distressed and troubled, soul overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, prayer to God, these words, yet, not what I will, but what you will, are so important for us to remember. And I'm, I haven't perfected this. I'm not good at it, especially not right now, because I'm going through something so hard. I feel like I'm in the first part of this verse, and I'm fighting every day to get to the second part, yet not what I will, but what you will. And so I'm not saying this today because I've mastered it. I'm saying it because I need this reminder, so maybe you do too. And that is this, that if I start every day focused on all that's wrong in my life right now, it will lead me to a pretty extreme frustration with God because I have big faith that God can do everything. So when He's not doing this thing, it can make me convinced of the wrong things. And I've started to see in my life, it's not the, the, the doubts that I have in my life those aren't what's making my faith sometimes feel like it's falling apart. It's not doubts. It's being too certain of the wrong things Mm -hmm. that can sometimes make me feel like my faith is unraveling and making me feel like I'm shaky. And it's not unraveling to the point where I'm like, I don't believe in God. That's not it. It's just this heaviness of wondering where are you, God, and how could a good God allow this? I just don't get it. So instead of starting with all of the hard things and and really staying, staying so focused on this is another day where I'm facing another situation, where I'm facing another issue, I'm facing another hour, another 24 hours of unresolved angst. Instead of focusing on that, I need to focus on the reality that my God is good and He is good to me, even when it doesn't feel good, and that God is good at being God. And He's not far removed and He's not distant and He's not uncaring about the pain that we're going through. It's actually quite the opposite. He very much knows the pain we're going through and He has decided this today, whatever is in front of me, is part of his answer. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to like it. But if I start with the reality of who God is, I can keep it in perspective. And I'm more convinced than ever that God doesn't want to be explained away. He wants to be invited in. And when I invite him in, I can say to him, just like Jesus did, everything is possible for you, God. Change the story. I don't like this. It's okay for me to say that. But then I don't want to leave my soul in that place. I want to quickly transition to yet, not what I will, but what you will. Because God, I know you see more of the picture than what I'm seeing. I know you know what's best. And I know in the end, you are working a good out that will never be worked out in the same perfect way as what you have is if, if I was writing the story, I so desperately want to grab the pen and write the story. Mm-hmm. But what I am slowly reminding myself of is if I did that, I would never get to God's ultimate good. 
And the only way to get there is to trade my will for his will and to keep walking in faith. And just to say over and over, God is good, God is good to me, and God is good at being God. So I'm so excited about this Hebrew study, mm-hmm. mainly because I see what the Lord is doing in Hebrews is setting us up to remember some things that we desperately need to remember and that we don't need to let go of when we start to feel like things are hard or falling apart, or maybe they're even good, but they're not the same version of good that we anticipated Mm -hmm. that should be. Mm -hmm. Well, Lisa, I um, can imagine a lot of our friends listening right now who are in the middle of one of those really hard seasons feel like they just had somebody hear them and see them for the first time in a really long time. Um, Because when you're in one of those places where it feels like, God, where are you? Like, where are you and why do hard things keep happening when I know you could fix it? So easy for our hearts to grow hard and to become cynical and distance ourselves from God Mm -hmm. Um, because of it. You you said something that I think I want to dig into just a little bit. Mm -hmm. You said we become so certain of certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think one of those things that you're alluding to is I think we become so certain in our own minds of what good is, Mm -hmm. right? We define good in a certain way. And we think God should live up to that expectation. My goodness, why can't you? Right. Mm -hmm. So let's, Drill down into that a little bit. Like, what is good? Mm -hmm. And how can we disassemble our definitions of good in order to be able to adopt God's definitions of good for us? Any insight there? Mm. I think sometimes we define good as comfortable, peaceful, Mm -hmm. maybe easier, Mm -hmm. um, more resolved, and where all of our circumstances line up and we're happy. It's like we're looking at all of our circumstances and we're like, yeah, this is, this is good. Mm-hmm. You know, my people feel good. I feel good. Life feels good. And therefore, because we feel good, then it must be good. Yeah. But I think that if you're human and you just go through a 24-hour period, life doesn't tie up in a neat, nice bow. And it's not just for those of us walking through really hard seasons. It's that we can have a really good day and have a really bad moment. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> and we can feel so quickly like things just crashed. I mean, one phone call about, you know, our child got sent to the principal's office and a good day can suddenly feel like where did that come from? And everything is terrible. And mm. usually we don't just say, let's keep it all in perspective now. This was a good day with a bad moment. What we tend to say is, my child got sent to the principal's office. Oh my goodness, I am a terrible parent. And they're going to, you know, wind up like they're going to get kicked out of school and they're not going to have any friends. And then they're going to get into the wrong crowd. And and then, you know, their whole life trajectory is going to change, you know. And so we run it so far down the court that it's not just a bad moment. It's, it's a bad everything. Yeah. And so I think we're 
shooting for this version of good that really does not exist on this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's an unrealistic expectation, which my counselor has recently told me that when you have unrealistic un, uh, unrealistic expectations or just any expectation is really a recipe for simmering resentments. Mm. Because if you keep expecting something and life doesn't deliver on that level of expecting this high version of good. And it's, again, not that life isn't good. Life can be good and have really hard moments, and the two can coexist. But if we keep expecting all circumstances to line up to good, all relationships to point to good, then we're going to develop simmering resentments that are either going to be directed at ourselves, others, God, the world in general, or sometimes all four at the same time. That's really, really helpful, Lisa, I think, to kind of see it from the perspective of you can have good and not so good at the same time. They Mm -hmm. can coexist with each other. Um, It makes me think about if you look back on Jesus's life and when he was sent into the wilderness, right? If we don't know how that story ends, like he comes out on the other side of the wilderness and he like launches his Mm -hmm. ministry, you would look at that and be like, that is... God is not being good to him, mm-hmm. right? Like we could have looked at that season of his life as like, that's really awful. Like he was hungry. He was in the desert. Satan was chasing him down and tempting him constantly, you know? Like that's one bad thing after another, after another, like, you know, add injury to insult, mm-hmm. you know? And we would have defined that as a bad season, but when you can see the whole picture, I think you can see the goodness of God in the midst of a bad season, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. it doesn't take away the hardship of a wilderness, isolated, hard season of life. Yeah. yeah and so when you go back to the quote that um, I think it was in my book, maybe forgiving what you can't forget, or maybe it was in it's not supposed to be this way. I don't know. But what makes faith fall apart isn't doubt. It's being too certain of the wrong things. And so when we become too certain of the wrong things, then we start to really question God. We question where this is all headed. We question if any person is good. We, We question, you know, if we're any good. And we start to become too certain of the very lies that the enemy would love for us to Mm -hmm. believe. And that is sometimes his best tactic to make us believe wrong things. And that is his tactic to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be on guard with that, that we're we're not just trying to get through the day. There is an epic war against our very existence Mm -hmm. because we have an enemy that hates us. And so we don't live in fear, but we do need to live in awareness that Mm -hmm. every single day I need to watch those thoughts that are coming into my mind and watch what my definition of good is Mm -hmm. and establish my thinking with the truth that God is good, God is good to me, and God is good at being 
God. Mm-hmm. He is a merciful and faithful high priest, mm-hmm. and he knows what it feels like to be so very human. Mm-hmm. That's good. I want to ask one follow-up question about these expectations, because you just said, you know, we can be too certain of the wrong things. And so there's one end of the spectrum where your expectations could be too high. And you just said that's a recipe for resentment because they will never be met. But then on the flip side, somebody might be thinking, well, did I just expect nothing from anyone and live like that? Then balanced with God is good. God is good to me. God is good at being God. And so as believers, when we wake up and our feet hit the floor, what what are healthy expectations that we can carry into the day confidently knowing like, okay, whatever comes my way, this will be good. And it's not too high. It's not too low, but it's right in the middle. Can, is there an answer for that? Well, I'm going to play a little bit of a fast one on you. All right. That my counselor <laughs> recently played on me. Because um, my counselor is constantly telling me, Lisa, remember your words frame your reality. Mm-hmm. So if we wake up every day and we say, I have expectations, just that very word yeah. can give the connotation of premeditated resentments. In other words, it's like if you're expecting something, Uh then there's an air of this better happen or else I'm going to be disappointed. And so maybe instead of asking the question, what are realistic expectations um, and swinging, keeping our expectations too high down to keeping our expectations Uh too low, maybe let's use a different word instead of expectations. Why don't we say I'm bringing my longings to this day. I'm bringing a desire to this day. And it is good to give those longings and desires to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then I think just like what Jesus modeled for us, yet not what I will, Mm -hmm. but, you know, what you will, let that be done. I mean, think about even when Jesus taught us to pray, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he was so very crystal clear at doing this very thing, laying down his will for thy will, and he said, thy will be done, you know, mm-hmm. on earth as it is in heaven. And I think if we can establish that, um, I'm laying down my longings, I'm laying down my desires, this, and I don't mean laying them down as in giving up on them, I mean like presenting them to the Lord. Yeah. These are longings that I have, these are desires that I have, um, and yet at the same time, God, I know that you will direct me mm-hmm. um, toward the longings that are good and away from the longings and desires that could lead me to places that um, I don't need to go today. And I think when we're that honest, we switch from having an expectation, which is like a demand, it needs to be this way, to rather just a very human request, God, I have needs. I think this is the longing, the desire that I have to get these very um, basic needs met but I'm trusting you, or we yeah. really shouldn't say but, we should say and, yeah. I'm trusting you because I don't want lesser loves to satisfy me. Mm-hmm. I want you yeah. to be the great satisfier of my soul. Wow, that's so good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see all of this kind of unfold in our, in our Hebrew study. And like you said, study a book of the Bible that a lot of people 
might have trouble finding or, or you don't really know what it's about. And I love that in our First Five app in our community, we're constantly going back to those books that maybe we've read a lot of times, maybe mm-hmm. we've never read, and there's always a fresh um, revelation and, and fresh teaching that can apply to anybody in any season. And so we want you guys to study with us. You are invited. So you've got two things to do. First, we want you to download the free First Five mobile app. And second, we want you to purchase the study guide from Proverbs 31 Bookstore at p31bookstore.com. Also, just to remind everyone from the top of this message, if you were called to communicate, if you believe that the Lord has a message tucked away in your heart and you don't know where to get started, join us at the She Speaks Conference this year. It's June 24th through the 26th. Make sure to check it out at shespeaksconference.com. And we just want to say thank you to everyone who joined us today at Proverbs 31. We believe when you know the truth and live the truth, it changes everything. 